When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast equivalent of Robert Downey Jr. from about 1989 to 1996. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of mazeandbrew.com, and my hetero life mate. Andy, you optimistic American export. How you been, brother? Feels good not to be in jail like RDJ, you know. Uh, life is chugging along, and... Whether we're together or not, we're going to have an out-of-the-blue podcast every week the rest of the season. Man, it feels like it's here. Like, let's go. I would say that this is the time. Yes, I've been putting it off, you know, a lot because of the way that last season and a truncated season went. But now it's time. It is officially time. We have actually either college or professional football every weekend from now until sometime in January. So things are looking up. And we had, you know, a, a nice run of sports, some Olympics to keep us busy. But yeah, the, the shift must be made. Weirdest Olympic sport you've watched? Uh, I really, really dig watching speed climbing. Um, but I wouldn't say that it's the weirdest. The stuff on the trampoline is absolutely fascinating. I cannot believe trampolines are something that we bring into the Olympics. I thought it was just something that... You know, you smoke weed on in your teenage years or break your neck on any time after your teenage years. This is what the Greeks had in mind at the original Olympiad, I'm sure. Um, yes. I watched handball. I didn't really, you know, understand a lot of it. Just every team, you go down, we throw it in the net. Then you come down, you throw it in the net. And it's kind of about it. And it was a game between the French and the Spanish. So I wasn't having a good time. <laughs> sorry i'm not enjoying any of this but the way you described it it sounds like literally every sport oh so they try to get their ball down at our yeah. end and we try to get, that's every sport it was like watching <laughs> it was like watching children do it they're like they were scoring every time like every time and like they'd have like one stop and it's like a, a cornerback when the ball's 10 yards overthrown they're just like yeah it's like what What's up with the Tuscan Raiders celebration? It was one throw here, sir. <laughs> Baffling. So don't watch handball. Don't waste your time. All right, I won't. Yeah, I'm pretty out, except I will be watching U.S. men's basketball the rest of the way. That's probably the last one that I'm really going to tune in to see how that finishes out. Luca might be taking it, man. Slovenia. I would not be surprised if they pull the gold. That'd be awesome. He and Drogic's little brother. Yeah. Zoran, yeah, I think that's his name. It sounds like a yeah. villain. I mean, at the risk, yeah, it does. Zoran Drogic, that is for sure a Bond villain. Yeah, at the risk of sounding unpatriotic, the U.S. men's team sometimes deserves to lose so that they can come back four years and realize you can't just sleepwalk through this thing. Exactly. It's like we, our roster construction for the women's national team, putting everybody north of 35 on there, like, oh, we'll crush him anyway. It's like sometimes we need a little humbling. We just yeah, need it. Sometimes you need to be humbled so that you can come back. I mean, weird year. Yeah, but the Olympics have been interesting, a bit underwhelming for the U.S., but look, we all know where our place in the world is. Yeah, We're I mean, it's, right. it's, it's still number one, baby. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Some other news, though. I got to start with this because, you know, I've been uh, 
big, big, big basketball guy. And it's just getting more and more, especially as we shift to a basketball school. Our boy Franz Wagner doing, I mean, there was two scenarios that I wanted to see. One going to the Warriors and him contributing immediately in the playoffs. Or two, going to Orlando to have the triumvirate of Michigan foreign basketball players all in one location. And now we just go all in. And the latter happened. Franz is now with Mo Wagner in Iggy Brasdakis down in Orlando. And initially, I didn't want this scenario because Orlando has just no direction. But then Jalen Suggs falls to him at five. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, maybe there's something brewing in Orlando. Not for the next two years, but maybe in three. Yeah, they're they're building something there. Their new head coach hire, bringing in a new culture. You and I both love Jalen Suggs. Like, you, how can you not like Jalen Suggs? Like, he's just... Yeah hardworking player, football stud in high school yeah. as well. Yeah, probably would have been a dope quarterback. I know. So I, I'm buying everything the Magic are selling. They have three Michigan guys there. And it's kind of turning into football when there's like a Michigan guy on a lot of teams in the NBA now. But that triumvirate there, Teske on the summer league team. Yes, like, he is. With a, a, love, a villain and two Wagners. Let's go. Oh, man. Yeah. I want to Let's name our next podcast that and get both the Wagner boys on it. <laughs> get them on the phone real quick. Yeah, yeah, boys, we got an idea. I know you're, uh, I know you're making millions. How about Franz though? Because of where he was drafted, making more than his brother immediately. I haven't seen Mo's new contract, but him getting drafted at eight, I'm pretty sure the younger brother here is going to be the, uh, the breadwinner. Oh yeah, he's making more, and I'm sure there's going to be some words about it. Uh, I can't wait. Just imagine playing like playing basketball with your brother, like in the NBA, at the highest level. Like this yes. is awesome. Uh, before we go on from that, I mean, not we don't often get it right here. One thing we were right about was the point Franz thing that we were saying in the Big Ten tournament was when we first brought it up. Like, this guy's an initiator. Yeah, uh, He's, I mean, when Mike Smith couldn't get it going and couldn't really find a rhythm, Franz Wagner can kind of do this dribble into the paint, let things settle in. He's very patient with the ball. And he's going to be their secondary creator. I mean, I trust him right now more than I trust Markel Fultz. Cole Anthony's pretty solid for them. But they also say he grew two inches. If this guy's a 6'11 creator off the dribble, that almost doesn't exist. This is the upper echelon of like uni unicorn-type territory. Unicorn territory, this if that's is, the case. Yeah, I absolutely love it. You and I were calling for it. We celebrate our wins and recognize our bad losses on this podcast. We have a lot of losses. We do. But this was that a was big a win. win for us. Like, just give him the ball. Let him go. Yeah. Like, spread out the shooters and just yep. play this way. So, no, interesting to see how he does. Cole Anthony's really ball-dominant type of player, score first. But Franz can create, do what he wants. The one thing I really want to see him do in the NBA, though, is be a little bit more assertive about getting the ball in the offense because sometimes he can float around and would disappear for a few minutes. And I think he needs with being six eleven now and with his talent needs to get a little more aggressive, but defensively he's ready to go for the NBA. It'll be very interesting to see how they stagger those minutes because you're absolutely right. Cole Anthony being a bit more ball dominant, you would almost want Franz being your secondary initiator. And if he'll be part of the starting lineup, which I would think he would be, uh, he might be behind Chuma Okeke. Um, nice pronunciation. There. I think I got that right. Yeah. So he might be behind him to start out. You got Jonathan Isaacs coming back, but I'm very interested to see that rotation. And I don't know, just the team that now we would never care about. I mean, they're in the lower echelon of teams that I ever really watch. But now I'm in. I'm, I'm watching. I'm interested. You've got both the Wagner boys. You know that their parents are going to be in on it. There's going to be uh, a German translator present. 
at all times, even though they both speak perfect English. <laughs> it, I love it. Will Mo Bamba ever be as relevant as he was when that annoying song came out about him three years ago? No, because that song was huge and he would need to take a massive, massive leap to have that kind of cultural impact. So no, never. <laughs> Let's start off. Be good. <laughs> yeah. First of all, that, that's his first step. Be better at basketball. <laughs> Big guys take a while to develop, though. So just like Mo, you know, who kind of plays more like a traditional big man. But Franz doesn't play like a traditional big man. So no, Franz I would is... expect his. What do, you, what do you think for a stat line? What's a reasonable stat line for Franz year one in Orlando? Like assuming he plays, let's say, 30 minutes a game. 13, six and three. I love it. Yeah. I think it's something like that. I also think maybe a steal and a half yeah. on the high end, 1.2 steal, something like that. He's going to have that kind of impact, and he's going to do a lot of different things, and they don't need him to be the primary scorer. So it's just going to be yeah. interesting how they set up the offense with he and Suggs. But, yeah, if he's 6'11", that changes everything. That's wild. That's crazy. <laughs> um, next point, uh, we are now officially a Pistons fan podcast on the side. Uh, Cade Cunningham, that's amazing. Obviously, the ceiling gets raised, but Isaiah Livers and then Luca Garza, I guess we should discuss as well, also going to the Pistons. Uh, Livers rejoining Beeline is amazing. I absolutely love every part of that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? It's fantastic, and I think Isaiah Livers just kind of fell off the map from that injury. I honestly kind of forgot about him, too, heading into the process of everything, getting tied up into Franz. No, it's great. He's versatile, and he's a knockdown three-point shooter. Like, he can do a lot already. He's going to come in, and uh, Chris Vernon has a great list every year of guys that just won't suck. And I would like to nominate Isaiah Livers. I just think he won't suck no matter where he plays. He might be a 10th man somewhere, but he's going to come in and give you a good regular season minutes. If he can improve on defense, and he was never a liability. In college, he was a pretty solid defender, but he wasn't Franz Wagner level yeah. of elite defender. Um, but if he can come up a little bit on his defense, he absolutely has a place on this team. And with his size and his shooting prowess and beeline being there, he stays at home. This is awesome. I mean, I, I could not root for, I mean, obviously we need Cade Cunningham to hit, but this is now my second favorite player on that team. The guy that I'm going to be absolutely pulling for. We just don't get a lot of Michigan guys uh, on the Pistons or, I mean, on the Lions, it happens rarely. We had Graham Glasgow there for a while. Rudock was their backup quarterback. So just Detroit sports fans just don't get a lot of that. Um, where they're either even Michigan State guys, you know, because we share uh, we share a lot of the pro teams. Uh, it doesn't happen that often. So I love it. I mean, this is going to be something that's just great for him, great for the city, great for the fan bases. And now he's just got to live up to that potential. It's a good time to be a Pistons fan. There's a lot of young guys there. It's very energetic and they're building something with guys that want to be in Detroit. There's nobody seems to be a problem. Beef Stew, Sadiq Bay, Killing Hayes still has a level to ascend to. So a lot of pieces there already. So I'm interested to see what they do with it all. We talked a lot of smack about Luca Garza, but as a backup center, I mean, he doesn't play the modern NBA style, but he can shoot the three. He's got soft touch. Backup center minutes, even though he cried way too much for our liking. He was crying pretty much every time a camera was on him. But so, now he's a piston, and we're going to get past that. So what's his ceiling? Tiago Splitter? <laughs> Tiago Splitter. <laughs> That's his uh, ceiling. Who wins in a fight, Luca Garza's eyebrows or Devin Gill's? Oh, I mean, I'm not going to go against Gill. He's a Michigan man, and I studied those eyebrows. But Luca Garza's eyebrows, one of them's in my room right now, and I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> I like I mean, it, it, it looks like a he like a hedge of bushes. Like it is massive. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it might be Garza, but it's close. Yeah, it's tough. It looks like two orangutans that have charged out of the brush at one another. <laughs>
It's an aggressive eyebrow set by Luca Garza there. But, but yeah, he pissed be- it now, so that's the last time I'm going to rip on him until next time. So, yeah, we got to love him, you know, for now. But it's, he's National Player of the Year. I think he was better as a junior, but uh, he's got talent, and he's expanded yeah. his range. So I think to believe he could actually come in and contribute you know, wouldn't surprise me. And you get him in the second round, so big deal. All, they're all flyers out. at that point. It's all flyers, yeah, absolutely. Uh, last bit of news here, realignment. Uh, out of nowhere, it seems. I mean, I guess there's been some whispers about this, but now you've got Texas and Oklahoma are bailing. Big 12 seems like it's going to dissolve sooner rather than later. Bruce Feldman reports that Kansas and Iowa State will be coming to the Big 10. Any any thoughts about this on the football side? Obviously great for basketball, but for football, what does this do? Move the needle in any way? Iowa State is decent, I guess, at football. They're on this hot streak that's, you know, a little bit unprecedented for their program in you know this century. Kansas football, it's it's grim because even Rutgers now is good. Like the the basement of the Big Ten has risen so much the last couple of years. Maryland getting better, Rutgers trending up. Now you add Kansas in there, it's just going to kind of drag everything. Down. It's just a win for everybody. That's a good point about the basement finally starting to come up because of how low it was there with Rutgers, Maryland, Purdue for a while. Mm-hmm. And look, the bottom half is still not great. You know, or the bottom third, I would say. Nebraska is still there. Nebraska is still there. Nebraska might be in the basement now. Kansas and Nebraska. We'll see how long Frost lasts there. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it moves the needle much. Uh, My one hope would be is that if we're doing this realignment, we can maybe balance out the conferences a little bit, the East and the West. That's kind of where my mind went with this. So if we're bringing these guys in and who knows, you know, what's going to happen with A&M and Oklahoma State and all these other programs. Um, if we are doing that, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's throw Penn State on that other side, and we'll take Minnesota back or something like that. Um, get some more perennial powers on the other side. Penn State looks like they're back to stay for for now. Yeah, uh, I mean for the foreseeable future. It's a good program, and I'd like to see some something along those lines happen. But really, the the needle only moves in basketball, where Big Ten now becomes without a doubt the best conference in the nation, and it's. It, the, the gap widens because I already kind of thought we were. Now you add Kansas. I, I don't know if the stat still holds, but at one time, Bill Self had more conference championships than home losses. It's madness. <laughs> like now you're adding them this. It is, it's going to be unreal. But in, on, in football, I'm with you. They can't keep the, comp, the alignment the way it is now, and they could not put Kansas on the West and Iowa State on the East. Like it would just be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I, it, that that would be dumb. I agree. You add Iowa State to that, we're gonna be a max eight win team because yeah. I mean it's just gonna be so daunting every every year. You've got to mix it up, and I hope they take this opportunity. Um, I mean, it really sounds like we're sore losers, but look at the East versus the West and the path for Iowa or Wisconsin to get there. Yeah. I mean, you just have to get through Iowa, and I was good once every four years. Yeah, every time Kirk Ferentz gets heat on him, he goes undefeated somehow and then gets another, you know, eight years and then is good again and then bad for a while, another eight years. And, yeah, it, it makes no sense why Iowa State's not in the Big Ten already. Like, that's like Michigan State being in the ACC. Like, it just doesn't make right. any sense. Geographically, yeah. it's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of stupid, you know. You yeah. guys could have done better here. <laughs> Great analysis, as always. <laughs> That's why I'm here. But, no. yeah, they have to divide it up. I'm interested to see where all of college football shakes out, though. Like, Rutgers shouldn't be a part of the Big Ten geographically, but, you know, we'll take that New York market. 
And so I don't know, man, it's kind of madness. You and I talked off air that we really like, we like the old school where it was each geographic region of the conferences played a different brand of football and it made the bowl matchup so much more fun because you'd get like Iowa playing Washington state or Michigan state playing Mississippi state, just all these matchups like stylistically that were entertaining to watch and to root for like, conference dominance was fun. But if we're only going to be in four super conferences, it kind of takes some of that out. I agree. And while the main thing I'm looking for out of the sport that I cherish most is a return to some parody and I think we get a we get going down that path with the NIL. I don't know what the conference realignment does for that, if it's better or worse. I kind of need to see how it shakes out. I tend to agree with you that I'm leaning worse. Yeah. I'd rather have the different conferences with the different styles and try and balance it out that way. And I do love that geographical part of it, you know, because it adds something to it where you get Big Ten where obviously you'll never root for Ohio State, but you might pull for Iowa because yep. you're like, screw that air raid style of offense. Like, that's not how you play. You play with defense running the ball, even if you don't agree with that. Yeah. You just kind of, you know, you, you take like a, um, what would be the word? You like liken yourself to the style. You attach yourself to a style and, you know, that becomes a part of your personality because you're a Big Ten country. I like that as well. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, it's going to, I mean, in some cases it could be a lot of fun. It's like, Oklahoma's going to play Alabama every year now. Like, let's go. <laughs> Wild. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But at the same time, like, that only makes it harder. You got to expand the playoffs, which sounds like is going to happen. But then that makes it so you have no choice but to. Because if all of a sudden Oklahoma, Alabama, LSU, AM, you know, Texas, all these people are playing each other, how do you determine? who the best team is because you know Boise State if they just stay out there they're going to be undefeated every year yeah next um next summer whenever we're living in Turkey or God knows where because you and I are both going abroad we need to do an off-season pod of what like a 12-team bracket or whatever they're going to do would have looked like for Michigan in 16 and 18 because they would have been in both times that would be very interesting and that sounds like great off-season content count me in on it that's good absolutely uh all right it's time to make the shift but before we make the shift Got to take a moment to talk about our people over at Home Field Apparel. Home Field Apparel out of Indianapolis, heart of Big Ten country. Very comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand with the best, most comprehensive selection that I've seen of college football apparel or any college sports apparel for that matter right now. And it's getting into that time. Fall is right around the corner. The, the air is about to get crisp. I like my hoodies. I like my long sleeve shirts. Got to represent Michigan. The colors need to be flying at all times. Homefield's got you covered. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, my friend, there's no more putting it off. We're moving to football. It's time to start talking about it. It's time to start getting into it. First opponent's Western Michigan. Before we get into the uh, what we're going to do, we're going to do this kind of in uh, quarters of the season. We're going to break down a couple teams each week. And just go, I kind of like this approach because if you break the season down that way, it's just a different way to look at it. And a lot of times it does kind of start being these little sprints through the season. You get some bye weeks in there and it changes things up. So before we get into Western Michigan, give me right now where you're at a month out, your level of optimism. I know it's higher than mine. You know, you've been, you've been trying to get me psyched up and I've been a little bit resistant. Um, I know you're that, that kind of bums you out, but you got to You got to get me there. So get me there just with your give me your elevator pitch to get me there. All right. So with this team, 
on the defense, as we talked offline, and I started to see you kind of come to the dark side a little bit, said <laughs> there's one liability on defense, and that is one cornerback position. Under the Mike McDonald offense, the team is not going to be isolating that person and leaving them out hang, hanging to dry anymore. So it's going to be mixed up. It's going to be multiple. It's going to change. It's going to be a modern defense, throwing a lot of stuff at you, more what you see the Clemsons of the world doing, things of that nature. So defensively, I feel very good. Offensively is where I have the question marks. I'm still not completely sold on Josh Gaddis as a play caller, but he's getting better. He understands this team. McNamara has been in the system for three years. He was an instant spark plug last year in a COVID offseason when they could have barely any interaction with their teammates. He has a ton of weapons around him, and he has an offensive line that for once is going to get to play as a cohesive unit. These five guys did not play together, I believe, a snap last year or an extended period of time with all the moving and shaking that happened in the offseason. So now you have a full year to prepare together and build that chemistry. I feel like the only way to go is up. I understand wanting you know tippered a little bit, but I feel kind of like I did in 15 where it's like this team could, you know, we could probably lose three games here or that, but I just feel like a little better about the direction of the program with all the movement, the talent that's still there. And it's like, we're not going to go undefeated, but is nine and three in a competitive game against Ohio state unreasonable? No, not a chance. Okay. Uh, A lot of the things that you said did start to push me in that direction. The things that make me optimistic, the first one being we have a new defensive coordinator and the scheme that he's bringing fits our personnel. Obviously, you mentioned the one cornerback being an obvious weakness. And that's, I mean, anybody that watched it last year, Vincent Gray was getting torched by anyone. And even people that weren't playing football were torturing him. <laughs> it was you know, the guys that were on the sidelines just messing around on their phones. It, it was bad. So that is that is one part where I'm not like, You said you're not worried about the defense. I have some worries about the defense. They pretty much start there. But the personnel and what Mike McDonald's going to want to run, we kind of talked about that 3-4 under or the the 4-3 under, I guess what you call it, where it's going to be just a different-looking defense than what we've seen. There's only going to be one true defensive tackle out on the field. That fits our personnel better. I think that Aiden Hutchinson, Upshaw, Ojabo, Welshoff, guys like that, like now you can utilize those guys and you can have more of those skill players on the field. And those going to be the guys that are designated and stopping the run and getting after the quarterback. I like that. I'm sticking by my prediction. This is the most improved defense in the nation. So I obviously have some optimism. Yeah. But and imagine I mean, how much better you feel if you see Dax Hill run out there and play corner. I mean, then let's we'll talk. <laughs> if he's out there playing corner, we'll talk. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're just going to help out their cornerbacks a lot more this year. So improving from the 90th to the 30th defense, right like right there, this is a much better team. And I think that's probably in the cards. If that's something you can bet on on FanDuel, do it. Um, <laughs> on offense, I agree with you. There are some question marks. I, there's question marks everywhere. Uh, but Cade McNamara could be better than Shea Patterson this year. That's within reason. If you told me that, I wouldn't think you're insane. So that's something that we've got in the offensive line. That was the other thing I wanted to touch on because the offensive line was a big reason for the struggles last year. And they played like that starting offensive line with Mayfield Hayes. Um, who else did we? Filiaga. Filiaga. Vestardis. Vestardis. And was, who was the other guard? I don't even remember who came out, who was trotted out. Z- uh, Cart was Zinter. Zinter. 
Was Zinter the guy? He was I don't eventually. Know. I have to go look and see who was trotted out. It was a carousel of guys. That's what it, it was. Felt a car- like. That's yeah. the problem. Is as you watch, you're like, oh boy, because then Mayfield goes out, then Hayes goes out, and it goes completely haywire for them. And everything starts on those lines. So improvement on both of those lines with the scheme change on defense, and then cohesiveness, health is obviously going to be key. But if that offensive line is good, you've got a game manager that could have a higher ceiling and a stable of running backs. Okay, I'll buy in a little bit on offense. It's just – it's so hard to get the 2020 taste out of your mouth. And, like, Vincent Gray is probably a better corner than we give him credit, but he was literally put in a position to fail last year. Like, you take what you do best – and you don't utilize that. Like, he is good in run support, and he can play a little bump run, but he needs help over the top. He's just not fast enough, and we just left him out there on an island. We gave him no help, and it's like, okay, here you go. Good luck. So He's not – yeah, he's not built for that. No, and it's like a, a lot of corners aren't. I'm sorry, most corners aren't Jordan Lewis and David Long. Like, yeah. <laughs> change the yeah. system. So I think even if he starts this year, I'm not completely out on him yet. I want to see how the defense is used and if they're going to be supported and play complementary football. Yeah, I mean, so it's very hard, and we're going to go through and talk predictions. I want to do it a little different this year, though, as we go through these teams. How about we don't do the score predictions? We predict what the spread will be. Fine with this. And then we'll we'll do our predictions the week before the game, because I want to see what things look like. We're so far out. Making these predictions now is kind of a fool's errand. Yeah, so starting in... When this pod comes out tomorrow, then Friday is the beginning of practice, so... Can't wait to dig into all the what used to be Luigi Villane hype and everything else is going to come from camp. So, you know, so yep. much is going to change. We're going to hear one thing one week about the defense dominating. The next week, the offense is looking better. The defense should be worried. It's like you can't really win it's just somewhere in the middle. But yeah, I'm ready to be inundated in football again. Just give me all the nonsense. The first thing I want to hear is I want this second cornerback um, competition, I want that handled early. The fact that Turner and Gray are still competing, I don't think that's a good thing. A lot of people, oh, competition's a good thing. Not, I don't necessarily agree at all times. Uh, you would much rather be like, oh, no, that's the guy. It would be nice to know. I love that Green has solidified it. That's that's his side. So I feel really good about that. He's our number one, yes. which is not the best number one we've had. I don't. I'm. I'm not. I'm not out, man. I, after rewatching game, I think he's really good. I'm not out. Yeah, I'm yeah. not out. I'm just saying I don't think his ceiling is Jordan Lewis or David Long. Well, I mean, not a second round draft pick, <laughs> you know. But I think he's. I think he's really good. I want to see how the second one shakes out. And besides that, on the defense, I feel pretty good about the rest of it. But like I said, D tackle in one corner position, and if we can get those knocked out in the first week of football with three weeks to build, four weeks to build, let's go. Yep. So who are the names that we're hearing before fall camp? I've heard Ojabo, I've heard Mozzie Smith, and I've heard Mike Barrett. And I've heard Junior Colson, which was my lock of the year. Junior Colson's going to be a star. I've heard that too. Those are the biggest names. Those are the names I'm hearing as well. It's ton, a lot of Ojabo, a lot of Mozzie Smith from Big Ten Media Days. And Ojabo's due. Like he's one that we need to want to take a leap. Surprised not hearing enough Chris Hinton. So that that's a little like surprising, but DJ Turner's coming on, and I've heard some Makari Page. So that's also good to hear because he played you know, pretty extensively last year in the weird year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are kind of the names I'm hearing. And then on offense, uh, Blake Corum, and it sounds like Cade Mack has no interest in relinquishing this job and that you can pretty much, maybe not in pen, but you can really 
scribble it in with a, with a heavy hand and pencil that Cade Max going to be the guy, which I think is a good thing. This is I the think. first year since 2019 that Harbaugh's announced the starter this early out. And that was when exactly. Patterson was coming back. And this is saying something. It's not a bad thing. No. People want to say that's a bad thing. I do not think so. I think that Cade McNamara has a higher ceiling than Patterson. Yeah. You know, yeah. just because he already looked like Shea Patterson at times last year, and he's only going to get better with more time into the system, a better offensive line, three really good running backs, two wide receivers that we trust, and a ton of talent behind them. Tight end, man, we'll see. But if that's your if that's your big weakness on the offense, you can you can hide that if tight ends your big weakness. Yeah, and it's like you have one guy you're waiting to pop that was almost a five star, and behind those two proven receivers, you have five super speedy guys you can spread out there mm. in multiple places. So he has all the riches in the world. And I like what I like most about him is his leadership. He seems to really command a room and command an offense and I never got that feeling from Patterson. I felt like things inconvenienced him, and sometimes he just played annoyed. But Cade Mack really seems to be embracing the role, the turnaround. So I am, I'm all in on Cade Mack. You know, you and I both we dabble in McCarthyism pretty well, but Cade mm-hmm. Mack's got our full support. Yeah, absolutely. His time will come. Um, it is not yet the height of McCarthyism. It's not time to start blacklisting authors, but we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back. We are running through the first quarter of the season. That would be Western Michigan, Washington, Northern Illinois, right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. The shift has occurred. We are on to football. Feels like we were putting it off, or at least I was putting it off, but now there is no putting it off any longer because we are a month away from Western Michigan to open up the season and you started to talk me into it right before the break optimism may be rising it's a slight tick upwards um, you know it's not to the moon to use a, uh, a stock reference that was overused the last year but it's it's rising so Western Michigan game one give me your initial thoughts so Western Michigan is a very experienced Mac team they return a total of 22, they lose three, 19 of 22 starters on offense and defense. They have nine of 11 on offense. Yeah. 10, 11 on D three, six year seniors on the line, the super seniors because of the COVID extension year. They have a very competent quarterback was third last year in the country in passing efficiency. Who did he trail? Do you know? He trailed Mac Jones and he trailed uh, the BYU kid, Zach. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Correct. Yeah. Then it was Ellerby and it was his first for, yeah, first, second full year as a starter. Or this will be a second full year as the starter. So he's coming on teams experienced. They're good. It's kind of, if this were basketball, I would be terrified. If you have like an experienced small school like this to open up the season with, it would be by nightmare, but in football, it's a little easier to impose your will and do things to negate what they're good at. But as far as Mac schools go, they should contend for a Mac title this year. They are projected by College Football News to win eight games. Uh, nothing to nothing to sneeze at there. They had a four and two overall record last year in the MAC, uh, much like the Big Ten. They only played conference games. Tim Lester is in his fifth year there and has them. I mean, they're putting out. They put Dwayne Eskridge into the NFL. They put out some NFL guys. They are an above average MAC team and they are above average at passing the football, which right off the 
fat, that scares me a little bit. That's what they're best at. And having a very efficient, very smart quarterback. I'm not saying I'm panicked about it, but that should at least give you pause in your first game after what we saw last year from our secondary. They were the 16th best offense last year in football, 23rd passing, according to yardage. So, And they're bringing back a lot of experience. You know, granted, opening the season, it'd be nice if we could play, you know, Buffalo and Mo Linguist or somebody like that a little lesser down the totem pole. But this could be the really good thing for the team. You know, get that good – you get to play a smaller school, but it's competent, so you can't just lackadaisically walk through it and then go right into Washington. This kind of gives you a small step leading into Washington, which I think really helps with the second game of the season. Look, you always find a way to just spin it, and it, it's it's like a warm blanket being yeah. draped over my shoulders. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Competent, but not too competent. This will be a good test, uh, especially with their offense. On defense, eh, we'll see. Uh, they can get into the backfield. They've got two guys, Ralph Holly and Ali Fayed, um, and they got a safety hybrid linebacker guy, A.J. Thomas. So they got three guys that really can get into the backfield. So I am interested to see how our offensive line holds up against guys that are above average for the Mac as far as defensive linemen and pass rushers in the linebacking core. But we should be able to run on this team. And in the past, that's what's really done them in is teams that can run the ball on them. And I think that's where the big advantage is. I'm not ready to say anything about this defense yet. I'm certainly not ready to coronate Vincent Gray or DJ Turner as being able to stop the third most efficient quarterback in the nation. Um, I'm not ready for that yet, but I don't know that they have an answer for us running the ball. If this offensive line, which you and I are high on, and it's Mayfield and it's Hayes and it's Zinter, um, I believe that we should be able to just physically dominate them. They were the 57th total defense last year, 56th in stopping the run. So, yeah, the, the size here should be too much for them. Expect this game to be close in the first half. Maybe they hit a home run early or something like that in a missed coverage. It's the first game. It's always a little wacky. Michigan has kind of historically struggled. They lost to Utah in 15. 16 he played Hawaii, so it's kind of a wash. 17 came out against the Florida team, knocked it out of the park. 18 lose to Notre Dame. 19, who we opened up with 19? Do you remember? 2019 that was an easier one that might have been like buffalo or an eastern or something like that we had an it, easier game Middle was Tennessee. Def, that's who it was that's who it was because it was like kind of lackluster going through the motions a little bit the middle tennessee and then last year obviously the minnesota game so expect this team to be tested early definitely with a new defense people trying to get in position seeing wrinkles because western's gonna have in wrinkles that we haven't seen on film it's the first game of the year it's just going to happen so after the first half, really expect Michigan to settle in and kind of open this thing up. Yeah, I agree with you. This could get dicey early on. And yep. if it gets too dicey, I, I'm going to be very interested to see how this team reacts, how Michael McDonald rallies the troops if they go down 10 points early on because this team can score the football. So I, I just want to see how the team reacts. I want to see how eager they look. Um, I really want to see the big house full and how this team kind of just, you know, feels that energy. I mean, there's going to be a ton to look for. It's the first time we've seen a real football game since 2019. Uh, I think we are all, even the teams that had, you know, more than two wins last year are kind of writing off last year. So this is really the, when we get to see this, this next group of guys. So we're going to learn a lot. This is not just some cakewalk, and especially on defense. So I, I agree. I like what you said there 
competent, but not too competent. Let's see. I hope DJ Turner's out there, not Vincent Gray. Let's see how we're helping these cornerbacks. What do you think the spread is on this game? There already are spreads. And and you have it, but let, it's, yeah. What would what, you say it was? The spread is seventeen and a half, and I, we'll just kind of think we're we can predict where it's going to close for the first game of the year since it's already out there. I think it's going to, I think it'll close closer to twenty, to be honest, because um, you brought up a good point about the big house. The last time Western Michigan had a true road game, it was Northern Illinois in two thousand nineteen. You're coming to a big house full of rabid fans that have been locked in their houses for a year that have some belief in this team. Like, I mean, it's September. It's the month of promises. We we're on. Nobody's played yet. Let's go out here. Let's set the tone. It's going to be rabid in that fan base. 111,000. I think it closes closer to 20. Uh, so here's where we'll be different on this year. I think it goes the opposite direction. I think that people realize, you know, when they start breaking down the film, like, man, Michigan really couldn't do anything against the pass. And this is a legit quarterback coming in. This is a guy that if he does it again, he's going to be on NFL radars for certain. I mean, Mac Jones went 16th or whatever it was to New England. So, and I mean, this guy was right behind him. So I think it'll close closer to 13 and a half. Uh, We'll be, I'll be very interested to see it. Um, you know, there might not be that much movement because I don't know what kind of movement there can be. All we're going to get is reports from from camp. But I, I think that spreads a little high. If I were betting it right now, I bet Western Michigan to cover. I also might bet the over. Does it have the over yet? Uh, let me pull it up. Yeah, Caleb Ellerby, though, I mean, he was third team all Mac last year. I'm not going to be too afraid of a, you know, 6'1", 200-pound quarterback. Um, 18 touchdowns, two interceptions. They lost to Eastern Michigan. <laughs> I get it. I absolutely get it. We almost lost to Rutgers. We lost to Michigan State. It's a fair point. But at least they're power five. Ugh. Yeah, no. uh, um, yeah, if you can pull up the lines so that we can compare our lines against theirs. I would set the over under on this one closer to the 60s. I think there'll be some points in this. I think it, I'd set it at maybe 55.8 if I were Vegas. Okay, this is on Bovada right here. Michigan heavy favorite, 17 and a half. You might not have over-unders yet. I mean, a lot of places haven't even announced starters. Yeah, it's so tough, especially with injuries and everything like that. Um, yeah, no over-under. Or, yeah, no over-unders posted just yet. Okay. I'll put it at about 55.8. That's where I see this game. I think they'll score some points. I think it'll be in the 27 to 24 range or 27 to 20, something like that. They have some calculation where – Western Michigan's going to win 36.1 to 27.3. Yeah, see, I'm not far off. Uh, actually, whatever, way far whatever off, mysterious but, system this is. I don't know what uh, system that is. If Michigan loses to Western Michigan, then this is the last season of Jim Harbaugh. Facts. <sighs> Might be the last season of our podcast. Might be the last season of Maze and Brew. People are the last season of me. Like, I can't do yeah. this. <laughs> I'm calling it. Calling it early, guys. We're done. It'll be bad. It'll be bad. But I think we do win. Uh, I think we win by around that 13.5 spread that I got. Two touchdown win. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna pound the ball in the second half. Come on, it's Hassan Haskins. Or just Got to run the ball. Got to run the ball. Do you want to see all three backs, or do you want to see a like a lead back established in this game? Right out of the gate, are you hoping to see like a lead back, or you're like, oh, no, we got a two-headed monster? 
I like the two-headed monster, but you always go with the hot hand. Michigan's never been able to keep running backs healthy since 15. Like, you have to have some kind of change the pace in there, Whether even if it's just third downs. Like, you can't just ride Hassan Haskins like you did Karan Higdon, and then he's useless when it comes when it's the most important time of the season. I, you don't need to feature all three backs, but two backs riding the hot hand, you know, I'm for that. It's just so rare. You need to have a really prominent running team to have that two-headed attack. The last one I remember is that Auburn attack, like the Cadillac Williams and who was the other guy? Do you remember? He ended up having Uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Brown. But I mean, you say that Georgia had it with Nick Chubb, uh, Sony, Michelle, those guys. And then Alabama's had it multiple times over with the, but they're still a lead guy. There is a lead guy for sure on each of those. It was only that Auburn team where it was like a true two headed monster. That was was a lead back. That was popular then, though, because even USC was doing that same year with Lindale White and Reggie Bush. I'm on the lead back. I want to see a lead back established in this, even if it's not Haskins. I think Corum eventually takes it. So I want to see Haskins and Corum and Edwards only if we're up big. I want to see both our running backs healthy in the last game of the season. That's all I want to see. I don't care how we do it. Fair enough. All right, let's move on. First big test. This is a grown-ups game here in week two at the big house. Washington supposed to be a home-and-home. Obviously, didn't happen last year. I was supposed to go there and tailgate on a boat. I don't know when I'm going to get that chance again. But here they come to the big house. Uh, Jimmy Lake, Coach Lake there, is uh, the second year, last year being his first year, in which was obviously a throwaway season. But they look pretty good, and they've recruited very well. They recruit, you know, kind of in the range of us, about 10 to 15 spots lower than us, if you look at the average of the last couple years of guys that are going to be contributing here. Um, but they get a lot more out of their players. They've sent guys to the NFL at a lot of different positions, especially corner, defensive tackle, some offensive linemen, a quarterback and Jacob Eason, running backs and Miles Gaskin, wide receivers and John Ross. They, they really coach their guys up. They got a new guy coming in there, more of a defensive mindset. And also he wore a hat that said, run the damn ball to a press conference. So we kind of have an idea of what this team's going to be like. Kind of a Big Ten team out West a little bit with Washington. All right, what are your initial thoughts on this game? So this is the benchmark of the season. This game is going to set the tone for what to expect and the complete mood of the fan base. This team is a good matchup for Michigan. Both teams are kind of in similar positions, a little bit uncertainty here and there, a lot of beef coming back. Washington turns five starters on the O-line, including a 365-pound guard. I would just Gross. like to watch he and Chuck Filiaga, you know, arm wrestle or something like that. I'd be down for Throw that. Throw in there and just have a sumo battle. <laughs> exactly. Just guys bumping meat. Uh, <laughs> they're... <laughs> <laughs> it's a wrestling thing. Their best pass rusher is going to be out for the game towards Achilles early in the spring. So the plus for Michigan they they do return the number one inside linebacker per PFF. They're moving around their secondary a little bit. Name to watch is Dom Hampton kids, a stud, but he's moving to safety. So there's going to be a little bit in the back end to work with. And they typically struggle against downhill running teams. Historically, they've always beat up on the Washington State teams like that, but struggle against the Stanfords. So in the spring, they've been experimenting with 52, 51 personnel, getting some more down linemen and trying to really beef up that attack. So we're going to see, but it does play well into Michigan's hands. Though this is going to be a nice early test for both teams to see how the season's going to play out. I like that you brought that up about the downhill running teams and you have to look at your schedule and I imagine they saw Michigan on there. And even though under Gaddis, that's not necessarily been our MO, 
it is traditionally the MO there. And that's what our personnel group suggests that we'll try to do. So it, it, but they also have really good defensive tackles there. They consistently put out really good defensive tackles. Um, Tuli Letuganosanoa, I definitely messed that up. I apologize. And Ryan <laughs> Bowman, they've got like good, good dudes on the line. I don't know if I would take those guys over just Aiden Hutchinson and I guess Mozzie Smith or Upshaw is our next best guy. I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see what their defensive line looks like compared to ours on offense. They have almost the exact same quarterback situation that we have. Did you notice that they're bringing back a guy, a four star that was not supposed to be the starter, but you know, he's shorter, but he looks like he has good command of the offense. Looks like a good game manager and Dylan Morris. They have a five star. That's the next big thing. And Sam Heward, much like our JJ McCarthy. And then they brought in a transfer much like we did with Alan Bowman. So these teams look a lot alike. They have a great running back room, much like us, um, replacing some wide receivers, but have a dope tight end. So while we have some really good wide receivers and no tight end, so there's it's very interesting how these teams line up. Like where we're strong in some areas, they're weaker and they're stronger in some areas. They've got us at defensive tackle, um, but we've got them at safety. Neither team really has corners established. So it's, it feels like a very even matchup week two at home. And to, to your point of more similarities, they open up with Montana, who is a FCS powerhouse of a team. Last season, it was all wacky for them as well. So I'm, I guarantee they're bringing a lot of people back. So not quite Western Michigan, not quite Division One, but Montana is a very, very winning team at yeah. the FCS level. So that's going to be a test when they can't just look ahead to Michigan and bowl over the Citadel. So right. they they have a game to prepare for. We're both going to get tested early and come into this game. It's going to be a nice clash for like a team that could either be trying to get ranked or be in the 18 to 22 range of, you know, week three ranking. So you know, everything you said is right. And it's just kind of funny how both teams are in very similar positions across the board. Like yeah. the biggest difference is Jimmy Lake is trying to establish himself. Everything you said about their program is history from Chris Peterson. He did all that. Right. Excellent head coach. What's Jimmy Lake like? We only had a four game sample last year. Can't take much from it. You can't take much from Michigan because we only have what, three or four coaches from that from last year on this season's team. So completely different, a nice start. Each team's going to ease into it. And this kind of feels like a preseason tournament, like in basketball, we got the weaker game first. And now we're going to clash early with a team on an opposite coast we wouldn't normally see. I like where you were like two teams in that 22 to 25 range. It feels exactly like that. Neither of these teams will probably start ranked, but they'll be right there kind of if they win early on, people want to put them in there because of the history of the programs. These are both the number two, number 22 team in the nation. I feel yeah. like yeah, they're yeah. like, yeah, somewhere in that range. It wouldn't surprise me if they open up the season in the AP poll just to be cheeky and have them tied at 22. Like, tied at 22. I'll buy that. Tied <laughs> anywhere from 22 to 27, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, and the big thing for both teams is to not overreact to game one. If they struggle with Montana or Michigan struggles with Western a little bit, both these teams are established and veteran laden. So don't overreact. We're going to learn everything we need to know about this team in the second game of the season. Absolutely. Except we'll be at home. So I won't say everything. I won't know everything yeah. until I see how the team goes on the road, but we'll know what we have on the field. At least if we can really get after the pass uh, after the passer and we look good in coverage or we're able to run the ball, just 
whatever it is that we're able to do well in this game, I'll believe that we can do well for most of the season because it's against a quality opponent that's returning a lot of guys. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So what do you think the spread's going to be? Because it's not out yet. I would say Michigan one and a half or Michigan three at the max. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to give them the NFL rule three for home, and then I'm going to give them a half point, three and a half. Three and a half sounds about right. Yeah, it's going to be a tight one. I don't see either team blowing out the other team here. If we blow out Washington, I mean, you're going to have me right there on board. I mean, I'm going to be pouring kerosene into the <laughs> fire of the steam engine. Yeah, and it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be, if, if we blow out Western just to start, I'm going to try not to overreact like I just said, but it's going to be like kind of side eyeing you a little bit. Like just saying, it's kind of, yeah, kind of, I know you will be, but yeah. I remember Minnesota last year. So we, we, we doused kerosene on the streets. Like, yeah, we did. We were ready. So yeah, I got Michigan favored by right around a field goal to win this yeah. thing. Sounds about this will right. be the the benchmark of the first quarter of the season and really just kind of set the tone for the fan base and the expectations. All eyes. I mean, at night, maze out, possibly. I mean, it'll be a primetime game. I'm sure like ABC or somebody's going to have yep. this. Yep, it's yeah, on ABC, it's be... 830, Herb Street, Fowler. Let's go. Let's go. That gets me excited right there. Just having, yeah, I mean, the fans in the stands, Fowler and Herbie on the call. Let's go. I mean, This is Jimmy Lake's first true road game, too. Don't forget that. Yeah, so we'll see. Chance for him to really establish himself, too. So Or get blown can, out and embarrassed on national television. They, either way, but he could <laughs> definitely come in like nothing to lose. Why wouldn't you? I mean, what do you, that's what do you how think, I'd play. What do you think most people named Jimmy Lake do? Jimmy Lake? Yeah. Uh, mafiosa? It kind of sounds like, hey, I know Jimmy Lake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. Not a head football coach. No, it seems like a, seems like a good dude, I guess. Yeah, yeah, fine. That's fine. All right. <laughs> Week three, Northern Illinois at home. Let me give Somehow it to you. Let me give it to you. Let me give it to you. All right, you ready? It, yeah, give it to me. All right. This team returns 22 of 44 from their two deep last year. They were either <laughs> they were either 22 of their 44 and their two deep last year were freshmen or redshirt freshmen. They're all back, all experience. They have five starters back on the offensive line. Ray Thomas, defensive end, is one of the highest IQ players in the MAC, and he is mean. At quarterback is Rocky Lombardi, who Brett. Don Brown made look like Brett Favre last season as he played for Michigan State. And I present all this to you to say Michigan's going to win by at least 35. They this won zero a- games last year, and Rocky Lombardi is not Andrew Luck, no matter how much we made him look that way. Yeah. This needs to be the Rocky Lombardi, like the, uh, the resetting of the market of yes. Rocky Lombardi. That's what's got to happen here in week three. What happened last year and how good Rocky Lombardi looked against an awful, awful Michigan defense. It just can't be allowed to happen again uh, against, yeah, everything you said is true. I mean, everybody's coming back, but they weren't very good. And I don't expect that they're all of a sudden going to become much better. This is the first true like cakewalk for Michigan on the schedule. Nothing is easy up to this point. But, I mean, that'll be good. I mean, it'll be good for him. We always talk ourselves, whatever the schedule is, we're like, yeah, this will be good for him. Uh, opening up with Bama, yeah, this will be good. <laughs> so, I don't care how much experience you have. You can return five, six-year seniors at Northern Illinois. I would rather have the inexperience of Junior Colson. Full, full right. stop. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because, I mean, you're bringing back guys, and, I mean, the fact of the matter is they're going to be way undersized. In Aiden Hutchinson, after not really playing at all last year, I guarantee on the first snap, Aiden Hutchinson, I want there to be a bet on this. 
Aiden Hutchinson goes off sides, get a, gets a quarterback like at roughing the passer and maybe just swallows him whole because that dude is going to be so ready to tear these dudes apart. Like he is going to eat against my, Northern Illinois. And I think it's going to be a big Ojabo game, big Upshaw game. Dude, if, if you're a Michigan player with a pulse, this is going to be a big game for big you. Game. What yeah. I love about the first quarter of the season is the schedule layout. I would be terrified if Northern Illinois and Western Michigan were flipped. Because if you come off a high of Washington and then you have to play Western, you come right into a perfect trap game. But vice versa, you get to ease into Washington. You get not ease into it. You get a step into it of like rising competition. And then you have Northern Illinois. You could sleepwalk through this game and you should still win by three or four touchdowns pretty easily. I don't want to see him sleepwalk at all this year, but you're That's right. Fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't want to see a sleepwalk game at all. And I really hope that having that year off kind of eliminates that. You know, that like, well, you know, we've got another game coming, this game. You, you fall into that complacency. But after a year like last year, you just don't know how many games you're going to get. You don't know how many opportunities you're going to get to get out there on the field at, you know, in front of the largest crowd you'll ever be in front of. Even if you go pro, you're not getting bigger than that crowd. That's just how it is. Like, you don't get many opportunities to do that. So I hope we never see them sleepwalk. I hope they come out and say, like Ryan Day did against a rival and supposedly a good team, we're going to beat them by 100. I want that mentality. Go out there and lay it on Northern Illinois. I want to see Donovan Edwards in the third quarter rushing for 100 yards because we're up by 30. Also, we're going to be there. We, so, <laughs> yeah, I want to see it. I want to see like we did last time. I want to see some madness. Yeah, the last game we attended actually in the stadium was Nebraska in 18, and we just eviscerated them. One of the biggest beatdowns I've ever witnessed in person. At one point, wasn't it like uh, – 400 to negative 20 yards or something like that it was it was it was it was like 39 to like negative five at halftime that game was (laughs) and scott frost like yeah we out hit him though so i hit him yeah that's what i think it's what he said at central but god he is oh it would be nice to just you know see scott frost get fired this year not to wish ill will on anybody but i hope scott frost gets fired (laughs) i hope so too i mean look i don't care where you played there's only so much mediocrity and subpar play before you're out the door and uh he's gotta be gotta be pressing up against that limit i think but i'm still mad because we had to share the 97 national championship with him preposterous it makes no sense but where do you think what do you think michigan's record is after week three uh well we got to give a spread here ah spread 32 i'll go i'll go 25 honestly if Uh, we only beat them 28 to nothing i'm gonna feel disappointed (laughs) If it's a shutout, the shutout adds a little something. It, it, all right, 31 to 3. I'd feel disappointed. 31 to 3 would be like, that could have been better. Yeah, yeah I would agree. Yeah, I'm fine so, with that. I'm hoping for something. I'm, obviously, 45 nothing is the ideal score, but. Sounds perfect. Or just, just go full, full send 2016 Rutgers, 77 to nothing. 77 to nothing. Fake an extra point when you have when you're up to four scores just to rub it in their face and do it 77, not 67, like Ohio State did the week before. Yeah, I love it. That's what I hope to see. And with Northern Illinois, yeah, I mean that should be the game to do it. Uh, I have after this is Rutgers, right? I believe so. Yeah, after this is Rutgers. Do you remember where the bye week falls? I don't. Do you? No, I don't remember if it's after Rutgers. I think it's the week after Rutgers, so maybe it's Michigan State then by, if I had to guess. Let me pull it up. I got it right here. Yeah, yeah, pull it up real quick. Um, And to answer your earlier question, 
I want to say 3-0. and Obviously, I want to say 3-0. and This is a Michigan podcast. I want to build up some optimism. I see ways we could get through Washington. I'm going to go 2-1. and okay, I'm going to say 3-0 and because of the style Washington plays. If we were playing like Washington State and Mike Leach's air raid, I would probably say 2-1, and although they're an overall inferior team just because you know, everything's so uncertain. And the bye week falls after Nebraska. Oh, wow. So, so what week is that? Rutgers, Wisconsin, Nebraska, bye week. And then it's kind of, it's not bad timing because you come back with Northwestern, Michigan State, Indiana, Penn State, Maryland, Ohio State. Oof. All right. So pretty central bye week. Northwestern through Penn State is rough though. Yeah. That's a grind. There's no weeks off. No, but like you said, Last year, you got it taken away from you. You heard on the Blake Corum on John Jansen's podcast, he didn't get to see his family for a year. Like he's, They sacrificed so much and had most of his last season taken from him and got to sit there and watch Ohio State march all the way to the national championship. So if, you're this, if that doesn't make you hungry for revenge and to reset everything, I don't know what can. I'm with you, and I love the 3-0 prediction. I know I put the spread at Michigan um, by a field goal. I just – Bad taste. It's the bad taste lingers and not just from 2020 from 2019. And from the fact that we've already seen coaching changes on both sides of the ball and what those coaching changes end up amounting to, it has to happen at the top and it has to happen with the talent on the field. And I just have, I, it's five years now of this. It's not year two. It's not year three. This is year, this I mean, is year seven. Yeah. This is year seven, but last year I yeah, don't count the five count. full years. So yeah, the, I mean, but yeah, fine. Six years then, if you want to count last year. And last year, I am counting as evidence. So I just don't have the evidence. If so we... that's why I think it's two and one. But if it's three and zero, oh, it's four and zero, oh, and then it's a hype train. If this team loses to Washington, they're easily they're going seven and five. You think it'll be a seven and five year if we lose to Washington? I could see a situation where we lose to Washington but get better. That that's happened. It it, it has happened. But if we lose to Washington, lose to Ohio State, lose to Penn State lose the Wisconsin and probably drop Indiana or Northwestern. One of the two. We're not dropping Indiana. We're not, I not happening. We're not dropping in. It's crazy how close that game was last year. If you go back and rewatch it last year was their magical year and they will hang their hat on it. We are not dropping Indiana. I think we might drop Northwestern before we drop Indiana. I can't wait to watch the Mike Hart revenge game. It's coming. We're not losing that game, but I'm with you. I mean, there is a world where, it goes that way, and it's not like in that world this team is some abject failure. It's just there's holes on this team. But there's also a world where this offensive line is completely healthy. Cade McNamara is Shea Patterson 2.0, you know, slightly improved. Um, and then the running backs are going for, you know, we get 1,000 yards from Haskins and a thousand close to 1,000. That, that world exists. And then the defense is going to be the most improved in the nation. So that world exists, but yeah, the Washington game, a lot hinges on that. But I do disagree with you that it's sell all your stock if we lose Washington. I could lose Washington and still be like, let's see what happens happens against Wisconsin and still have some faith. Uh, it's tough. I, if we if we lose to Washington, I don't think 9-3 and three is possible. At home at night would be what scared me the most yeah. about that loss. Like if, like if we can't do it at home, Harbaugh's record on the road is not stellar. No, that's where all the struggles are, slow starts and everything else. So that would worry me. 
But this season, this everything is so much fun this year because the buildup, there's so many question marks. There's so much to discuss. Like, it's just going to be fun to have everything back and normal and just to talk about it the same way. Like, if this team is middling, it's better content for us because we can go so many directions with it. And if they're great, it's just an enjoyment. It's just a great ride. Shotgunning mm-hmm. beers on the pod and everything else. Yeah, I mean, we do that anyway. But it is nice, like, going in and hoping for eight wins. Or, I'm hoping for nine, I would yeah. say. Like, yeah. hoping for nine or ten. Ten being your ceiling. And knowing, like, not like with 2016 where you're like, no, we should win every game. Like, this should be the year we win. Maybe drop one. Yeah. You know? Or in 2018, we're like, no, we should win every game except maybe one. This year, it's like, ah, I don't know. I could see 10 wins, but I could also see seven. That does give you a little bit of freedom as a fan to maybe just sit back and enjoy it and enjoy the product and enjoy the fact that football is back. And we're going to go check out a game. I hope all of the listeners, if that's the sort of thing you enjoy, I don't know how you couldn't get a chance to go check out a game. If you haven't been to one at the big house, it is, I've been to a lot of stadiums. That is a top two atmosphere and it's not two, (laughs) but (laughs) I haven't been, I mean, there's a lot of places I haven't been, but that's number one on my list. But like you and I said, even as much of a basketball school as Michigan becomes, they're walking into Chrysler will never be walking into the big house. No, it will (laughs) never be that. There's no other place on earth like the big house. And that's why. That's the reason why I'm, I mean, I'm probably going to, when it comes down to it and we actually make predictions, I'm probably going to pick Michigan over Washington because of that. It's the big house. We're back. May's out. If you're listening to this, wear the maze. For the love of God, look at what Penn State does. We got to at least try and match that somewhat. Wear the maze. Wear the maze. Do your job here. And I can't wait. Be loud. Uh, this weekend starts camp. We start getting some question marks answered. Maybe the waters get even more muddy. I would love that. Just I love not knowing what's going to happen with this team. I love not knowing the coaching staff and everything else. Like I was trying to name some of the position group coaches the other day, just like in my head as an exercise, and struggled mightily. <laughs> yeah, it's just like there's so, been so much turnover and shaking, and coaches leaving and coming back. So this is going to be a lot of fun, man. There's going to be. A lot of new favorite Wolverines and a lot of new nemeses, so I can't wait. I I love it, man. Uh, last question before we go. Comes out week one of camp, J.J. McCarthy making a huge push for starting role. Good thing or bad thing for Michigan? Bad. It's it's it makes me nervous. I yeah. I, I want to know who the guy is. I don't want a quarter. This team does not need a quarterback controversy. Like they just don't. Not this year. No, we got too many other things going on. We need a steady hand back there. I agree. We haven't had this much uncertainty since 2015 regarding the entire roster. And again, that was a quarterback controversy there. One in 16, one in 17, one in 18. One last year that with both guys competing left the program. So. It was neither. The winner was no one. <laughs> there was no one, but last season didn't happen. So I am all aboard riding the McNamara train. Kids got some moxie. And like you said, he's a gamer. And that's our favorite. We will rise or fall on his on his hands. So I'm excited to watch him. And it was exciting as much as I'm a little bit more down than you to get back into this, my friend. And thank you for starting the optimism train. As soon as I hear Mazie Smith, Mazie Smith is unblockable, it's, it's taken another leap up. Or as DJ Turner has absolutely locked down number two position. I hear something like that. Let's go. Exactly. And it's like, you're going to hear stuff like defense dominated the offense or vice versa. And that's good and bad. Like it's like, it's good. It's bad. It's like, take it, whatever. I want to hear the individual matchups 
And it's good we have a little parody between us. You know, a little salt and pepper makes everything yeah, good. Absolutely. We're usually so much on the same page. We're both bombastic. So it's nice that we have some some contention here, finally. So, all right, brother, any last thoughts before we call it this week? No, look forward to talking week two with you next week, man, and look forward to having everybody back. Absolutely. We are right in the end game now, folks. This is going to be exciting. We'll be with you all the way through this season. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether that is on Apple Music, if it's on Spotify. Leave us a nice review. Uh, tell us what you think. We always love to hear that. Reach out to us in any way. Maybe that's on Twitter, at Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue, and we'd like to say that wherever you go, go blue.